we go, the wind. There, I can get to see you all now. Well, thank you all again for coming. Uh, I guess we're going to have wind, unless I do that. I think it'll be fine, Mo. It, it's going to shake a little bit. It'll be okay. Worst case scenario, we lose a TV. <laughs> ah, there we go. Hey, it's good to see you all. <laughs> it is good to see you all. And we're streaming online. If you're online, if for some reason we lose the signal, uh, we are recording and we will upload it later. I just love the fact that, you know, we're out here, it's, what, August 24th. Feels like August 24th. <laughs> it's October 24th. It's 75 degrees. I mean, that's kind of nice, isn't it? For you people overseas, that's 25 Celsius. Here at the end of, of October, I, I don't know why I've got August in my mind. August 24th is my sister's birthday. That's what it is. It's for you, Maria, if you're watching. So thank you all for coming. Like I said, Harvest Festival, Fall Festival, it's a time to celebrate uh, what God has given us, to give God thanks for what he's given us, and to share what he has given us. So this morning, uh, we're going to continue on in our dot-com series. And our com word for today is a really easy one. Come, kind of dot com come. Now I'm going to try and do this. Did that screen change then? Yeah. Oh, good. I'm not very good. My wife tried to teach me piano one time. I can use this hand or this hand, but this doesn't work very well for me. So trying to do that and this, it, it's going to be a challenge. But uh, we'll see. So if I forget, somebody wave at me and I'll, and I'll put it forward a little bit. But come, it, you know, I was thinking about the word. I love words. And there, there are very few words that can elicit such a vast array of response depending on how it's said. You know, if I, come here. It's like, oh, come here. Hey, come here. I mean... Just a simple change in tones makes a whole difference with how you think of the word, you know. Come on. Come on. Come on. I mean, it's such a simple word, and yet it's got so much variance. I remember when Sandra and I first came over from England to Canada in 1980. A lot of people said, why did you come to Canada? It's so cold. And then when we moved to Texas, people said, why did you come to Texas? It's so hot. And, uh, but why did you come he here today? I mean, it it's interesting, isn't it? Why are you here today? Why did you come today? Everybody has their reason for coming, and, and, they're, and they're varied. So today, we're going to look at a scene set near the end of Jesus' ministry, and he has come down to Jerusalem from Galilee, from the safety of Galilee, 
down to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the danger zone for him. Um, it's not a safe place for Jesus. In fact, he knows part of his reason to come to Jerusalem is this is where his life is going to end here on earth. Now, this event takes place, too, during the biggest festival of the religious season, and that's Passover. And Jerusalem is packed with people. They've come to the festival. Many of them, yeah, that is kind of moving around, isn't it? Many of them are intrigued by Jesus. There's a large crowd gathered around him. Some have come because they know of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And it's kind of like, what, what, what's this Jesus guy all about? Some have come because they've already made up their mind about Jesus. He's a heretic. He's a blasphemer. And they're, 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 they're trying to find reason to kill him. They've already made a plan. They want to kill him. Now they're looking to fill in the dots and fill in the blanks so that they can do it. Some have come because they know Jesus, but they're a little bit confused about Jesus because Jesus, he... He's a confusing person. His teaching didn't fit with the teaching that the people had. And he would say things that are kind of weird. And we're going to look at some of those here today. And then some come down with Jesus from Galilee because they're all in for Jesus. Thomas, in fact, said that they try to dissuade Jesus. Don't go to Jerusalem. It's dangerous down there. And Jesus said, no, I got to go. This is why I came. And uh, they said, you'll, you'll die down there. And Jesus said, yeah, let's, let's go. And Thomas, you know, we call him Doubting Thomas, but Thomas stood up and he said, if you're going down there to die, I'm coming down there to die with you, Jesus. So some of them are, are really all for Jesus, but they all have different reasons for why they have come. Mo's going to jump up and save that TV. I can see he's on the edge of his seat there. So I don't know if you're going to be able to see that or whether that's going to... To uh, stay with us, but we're looking at John chapter 12, beginning in verse 34. So Jesus has just finished teaching him one of those weird things. He's just told them that he is about to be killed. He's going to die. And they don't get it. And it says, the crowd responded. We understood from scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say, how can you say the son of man will die? Just who is this son of man anyway? And it's kind of like, hang on a minute, Jesus. You know, you, you claim to be the son of man. You claim to be the son of God. But our scriptures tell us that you're going to live, that the, the Messiah doesn't die. And now you're telling us you're going to die. Who are you? You're trying to scam us? You're all more scammed at this TV than anything, aren't you? <laughs> See, Jesus didn't fit the picture. So Jesus replied, he said, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. These people are in the dark. But they don't know they're in the dark. You don't know what you don't know, do you? I mean, you think you know. And I've, I've shared this story, and I'll share it now because I know a couple of my sisters are probably online. You, you don't know what you don't know. You think you know. So when I was 21, 
dating Sandra. We're out at her house, and, and she goes to put on her high-heeled shoes, and I said something about her gorgons. And she looked at me and said, what are gorgons? And I said, those shoes, they're called gorgons. That's, that's what they call those kind of shoes. And she said, no, they don't. They're high heels. And me being who I am, it's like, I didn't say the word idiot, but that was in my mind. <laughs> I said, really? Everybody knows they're gorgons. Like, how can you not know they're gorgons? And she's looking at me like, what are you talking about? So I go home later that day, and I'm telling my mom and, and my sisters this story about the Gorgons, and they all burst out laughing. My sisters called these shoes Gorgons when they were little girls. I had no brothers. I grew up in a house with four sisters, and I thought they were called Gorgons. And then they tell me, no, that's just our name for them. Nobody else calls them Gorgons. <laughs> so sheepishly, you know, I go back to my wife. They're not really called Gorgons. Like but you don't know what you don't know. You're in the dark. You think you're in the light, but you're in the dark, right? Well, these people, their understanding was clouded. They thought they knew who Jesus was. They thought they knew about Jesus. But they were in the dark. You know, darkness is a weird phenomenon. We have a natural fear of the dark, don't we? You don't have to teach kids to be afraid of the dark. They naturally want a nightlight. Because as soon as the light goes out, what happens? What's something under the bed the boogeyman is under the bed or maybe he's in the closet over there and i remember literally i swear the walls of my room were closing in on me you know like it's getting smaller in here we we have this fear of the dark and yet at the same time th th there's this attraction to the dark as well you know we talk about nightlife, right? We don't, we don't talk about a city that's got a great day life. We talk about a city that's got a great nightlife. We go to a nightclub. We don't go to a day club. There's this thing, you know, we kind of like the dark if we can control it. And yet there's a fear of the dark. But people live in all kinds of darkness. There's the darkness of depression, darkness of anxiety. I'll tell you what, the last year and a half, two years with this COVID, Gosh, it just seems like it's amplified right now. People are, are scared. They're living in the darkness of fear. Fear of the past. Some people live in fear of the past. What if, what if they find out about whatever happened in the past? Some people live in the fear of the future. What's to become of me? What's going to happen when I get home? Well, what if my spouse is not with me? What, what's going to happen to me? There's the darkness. There's a fear of the unknown as well, right? A lot of people don't like, I, I want to have everything mapped out. There's a fear in it of, of, of the darkness of oppression. And there's a darkness that we wrap ourselves in sometimes. That's the darkness of sin. The darkness of addiction. The darkness of shame and guilt. Hidden secrets. Jesus offers an invitation. He says, come out of your darkness and into my my light, that you may be children of light. What a great thing. Children of light. I mean, you just think about that. What does, what does that mean? How, how great is it to be a child of light? You're not just in the light. You're a child of light. The light is in you. It's, it's an awesome thing. 
But he gives a warning with it too. He says, do it now while you can because the light will not tarry long. Don't miss the opportunity. He tells them, my light will shine for you just a little longer. And I like the way he makes it personal. My light will shine for you just a little longer. He didn't say my light will shine just a little bit longer. My light will shine for you just a little longer. And then, as a physical demonstration, he hides himself from them. Some of the scripture says Jesus went and hide. Our scripture here says that he was hidden. Uh, it's just a weird thing. And I, I wonder if Jesus was giving them a demonstration. Because sometimes the best way to get people to move from the darkness into the light is to let them to sit in the darkness for a while. It's kind of like, oh, I don't like this. Jesus, where are you? He's hidden. He's hidden himself. You know... Let's go on, verse 37, sorry. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. My experience in life is that people will believe what they want to believe, regardless of the evidence. We mostly believe what we want to be. People, you know, atheists would look at Christians and say, you know, it's like believing in the tooth fairy. You, you, you see these things and, and you think that they come from God and you choose to believe this. And then I look at the atheist. I was an atheist. And I think, man, the, the whole of creation points towards God. You know, there's no edge to it. That's eternity. When did time begin? We don't know. When will it end? It won't end. It all points to God. But we all believe what we want to believe, right? Despite all the miraculous signs, what am I on here? What scripture am I on there? But despite all the miraculous signs, yeah? There we go. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe, as Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that God intentionally makes people stupid. That they can't believe in him, that they can't understand him, that, that they can't know him. He doesn't intentionally prevent people from coming to him. Why would he do that and then say, I want everyone to come to me. He's not a schizophrenic God. So when you get a passage of scripture like that, that, that doesn't make sense with other scripture, you've got to look at it a little bit deeper. Let me explain. You've heard the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? But if you keep leading a horse to water, and the horse refuses to drink, at some point, you're going to quit leading the horse to water, right? It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of the horse's time. Maybe it's a waste of the water. It's evaporating. Well, this is what this is about. Spiritually, Jesus is saying, I give you an 
invitation to come into the light. I give you an invitation to understand. I give you an invitation to know me. But you keep choosing not to. And I keep giving you the invitation. At some point, I'm simply not inviting anymore. And I'll just leave you in the dark. I'm not going to lead you anymore. Now, part of the problem, I think, coming from, coming from an atheist background into Christianity, you see things a little bit different. Part of the problem is the physical self versus the spiritual self. Physically, and I preached on this about a year or so ago, everything that we experience in life, we experience through our senses, right? Right now, you can feel the wind. You can hear the wind right now. You can see me. You can smell that food. In a minute, you'll taste that food. Everything that we process, we process through those five senses. Now, I'll have people come to me and say, you know, I I would become a follower of Jesus if God would just give me a sign. If he would show me some way. If, If through those five senses, I could make sense of God. The problem is that there's a physical and there's a spiritual. And the spiritual is nonsense. You don't experience it through those five senses. And the way I think of it, you know, from a scientific perspective or, or maybe an atheistic perspective, well, if you can't prove it, it doesn't exist. My answer to that would be, how do you explain the color blue to a person who was born blind? You have no starting point, right? There's absolutely no way to explain the color blue to a person who was born blind. Does that mean that blue doesn't exist? Now, what if we never had sight at all? Nobody had sight. Would blue exist? Some people would get all philosophical. Well, if you can't see it, maybe it doesn't exist. (laughs) Blue is blue, right? Just because you couldn't prove it doesn't mean that it's not there. That's how it is with the spiritual. And this is what Jesus is teaching, that if you come into my light, you get connected to my light and you experience this spiritual part of things but for the person that is blinded it's like this makes no sense (laughs) every one of us is made up of both the physical and the spiritual and our spirit longs to be connected to God Because that's where our spirit comes from. And there's a longing in us. But if we crush that longing, this is what Jesus is teaching. If you keep pushing that longing down, at some point, it will no longer seek its creator. This is what Jesus is saying. I am the light. Your spirit longs for the light. Come into my light and be a child of light. But if you reject the offer, the light in your life will go out. You see, not everything that we taste, touch, smell, see, or hear is all that we perceive it to be. There is more. Mr. Chris Kipchin is going to come up and explain that to you. All right, I'm going to come up here and talk for just a second so Tim can do a sound check because the mics are a little angry today, but... For the people at home, you didn't uh, you didn't get to see this because the screen's a little bit 
it was just a black void online, but it was really nice. As Mike was saying, God doesn't intentionally create stupid people. My name came up here nice and big. Thank you, Mike. Um, before this, I asked a couple of people to come up. Heather and Lynn, are you both here? I don't know, Heather's right there. There's Lynn. Hi. There we go. Is everything good in the... So I asked you both up here, but neither of you know what we're doing, right? You look so nervous. So the reason I asked you up is because I noticed you have a smartwatch. Yeah, I have one too. They're they're useful, right? How how often do you wear yours every day? No. No? Four or five days out of the week, yeah. But it's great when you have it on, right? Yeah. And they're not the cheapest thing ever. Yeah, yeah I, I'm probably going to be holding on to this one for a few years, just for the fun. Just keep that in mind later. Lynn, I asked you up here. I'm sorry, you're, you're you good right there. Me. I did, I did. <laughs> Lynn, I asked you up here for a, a really specific reason. I think you're perfect for something for me. I need you to do a couple things. First, take your left hand here, put your thumb up. Right hand, thumb up, point your thumbs toward each other. Stand right there. Yay, I have a purpose. It's the role you were born for, Lynn. Yes, thank you. All right, I'm gonna take that. Uh, you can take that home as a souvenir. Just stay up here. Would you do me a favor? Take your watch off. There you go. And then just carefully wrap the face of it in the uh, the toilet paper there. You get it going. And put it in there for me. Yeah, we'll get it in. Shove it down there. You're really regretting you said yes to this now, aren't you? We're going to come up here to this table. So we've got an envelope with your watch in it. I've also got two other envelopes here. Those envelopes have $5 dummy watches from Walmart. They look kind of like an Apple watch until you look at them too quickly. See that catch there? That was the real trick. That catch. I'm going to turn my back, and I want you to just mix up the envelopes, mix up the order for me, okay? That's good. Now, have you heard of a double-blind study before? No. Okay. So, in medicine, when they're trying out something new, they'll do clinical trials. And they're double-blind. That means that the doctors and the volunteers don't know who has the placebo and who has the real medicine. So right now, I don't know where your watch is, but you know where your watch is. 
So we got to fix that. Go ahead, take one. Sure. Okay. Lynn, do me a favor. Take one of these. And just go stand next to it at the table. Okay. And then I got this one left. Make sure those don't fall off. Okay. I'll try. Still feeling good about your choice? No. Okay. See, I could have said that at the end of this, whoever had whichever envelope would get to keep the watch inside, but I don't think that'd be fair. I think if you can't have your own watch, no one should have your watch. Okay. Now, I want to help you relax a little bit. Okay. okay. If this does go really wrong and I smash your watch, I will buy you a new watch, and I'll give you $100 for the, for the trouble. Okay. If Lynn smashes your watch... Lynn will buy you a new watch <laughs> and give you $100. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> Speaking of which, how much is the church's insurance, Mike? We are covered, right? No insurance? Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. All right. Your, your envelope, please. Can I just do yours? Nope. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so scared. Go ahead and open the envelope up. That is your watch. Okay. Thank you, Heather and Lynn. Hey, you can just leave that the Heather there. You may ask what the point of all that was. I just wanted to scare Heather. No, uh, I'll come. I'll come back to this in just a second here. But um, Mike asked if I would come up and, and share a little bit with you, and I'm really glad to get out here. Normally, you guys know that I'm stuck in the back in the uh, streaming room, so I love it anytime I get to come out here and speak with y'all. Uh, I just want to give you a little bit of my background and my perspective when God. called me to come to him. So initially, I was saved at a pretty young age, about 9, 10. I went up to the front of the church, part of an altar call, and I accepted Jesus into my life. And that's when I got what a mentor of mine calls the fire insurance. Right, I, I went ahead and I, I believed in Jesus. I admitted that He was my Lord and Savior. That I was a sinner and all that other stuff. But that, that's really just the first part of going to God, of answering that call to come. Throughout my teen years, 
I continued with various youth groups and stayed pretty dedicated as a Christian. But pretty much as soon as I was on my own and out in the world, all that just went out the window. I started to find different comforts in different things, whether it was with... uh, going out with friends, staying up, isolating, doing video games, drinking, whatever. Um, I I ended up straying pretty far. And in fact, it got to the point in college, I started to realize that some of the things I believed didn't really make sense to me anymore. It's like Mike was just talking about. uh, When you look between faith versus what your senses tell you, it doesn't, they don't connect. They don't necessarily make sense. It got to the point where I basically assumed that I might be an atheist. Uh, or at least agnostic at best. And I started to replace God in my life with these different kinds of things. Now, like right here with these envelopes, you know, on the outside, when we had all three of them on the table, Heather, they looked the same, right? You couldn't tell on the outside which one had the real watch inside of it and which one had one of these fake cheap knockoffs. And what I was doing in my life is I was replacing God with knockoffs, whether it was uh, pornography, alcohol, uh, I'm blanking right now, there's plenty of other stuff, Um, all sorts of these things. And on the outside, I was able to look happy to people. And in fact, I could even come to church, I could speak church. talk, I could do whatever I needed to, you would never know how much I was hurting on the inside. Things changed for me when I went to one of our church's men's retreats. And by the way, we're, we're doing another one next year. Guys, you need to come to the men's retreats. They are transforming. But at the men's retreat that year, we had a, a little activity that that we did where we all got these little pebbles and on there we were supposed to write, write down what was keeping us from going to God. And I remember writing down apathy on mine. I just didn't care. I, I couldn't bring myself to God. I told myself that I was okay. And for some reason, writing that down was really eye-opening to me. And at the end, we had this whole thing where we were supposed to throw the rocks out to show that we were getting rid of what was holding us back from God. And I just kind of stood there. I couldn't throw my rock. I couldn't get rid of it, even though all the guys around me were. I realized it wouldn't be truthful. So that's when I started to reevaluate my life. And I'll be honest, uh, coming back and seeing where I was at, it was, it was a tough process. I was comfortable where I was at. Just like Heather, you were probably comfortable before the hammers hit those envelopes. Up until that point, things were probably still okay. But once we smashed those up, there was no going back, right? And I didn't want to take that step. I didn't want to move forward. I didn't want to give, get rid of the things that were giving me comfort. 
But once I did, my life really started to change. Um, it's been an incredible experience. I don't have time for my full testimony. We'd be here for a half hour or longer. But I started to volunteer at Celebrate Recovery, and I started to go through that process. Myself, And I told God, okay, I'm going to go ahead and answer your call. What do you need from me? Just tell me, tell me what needs to be done. Send stuff my way, and I'm not going to say no. And I've made it my policy that uh, if someone comes forward and asks me, hey, can you help us with this or this? I don't say no. No, unless I really can't do it, which is why I'm up here smashing watches with you guys today. But the one thing I want you to take away from this, and the one thing I hope you get from this, is there are all sorts of comforts, and there's all sorts of things that we can hold on to that we can convince ourselves that we're good with, that we're happy with. But in the meantime, God's still calling you back to him. And the question I'll leave you with today is, are you listening? Will you come? Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Getting right back into the scripture here. Follows right up with what Chris just said. It says, verse 42, many people did believe in him. However, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Sometimes you get trapped. I remember a time in my life where I had moved from atheism, and I was kind of somewhere near where, where, where Chris was talking about. Jesus had become a real thing in my life. But the people that I knew and I hung out with, that wasn't the same for them. And when I went to work, I would try and be one of them. I didn't want them to know about the Jesus part of me because I was sort of embarrassed about it. And then when I came to church, I did the church thing. And, and what I discovered is that when you do that, you're just miserable in both worlds. Because wherever you're at, you're a hypocrite. And these people were struggling with this. Some of these leaders, these Pharisees, who were in it to kill Jesus, some of them believed in Jesus. But they wouldn't tell anybody else because what if I were to get ostracized from being one of the Pharisees? It carries on. It says, Jesus shouted to the crowds, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Jesus gets passionate here. He's shouting at the crowd. I, I would love to just hang around Jesus for a day just to get the feel of... He, he's shouting at the crowd. And the reason he's shouting at them is because he loves them. He loves the hypocrite. Who, who believes in him but, but won't come. He loves the one who's sitting there who wants to kill him. Please listen to me. Come to me. 
Come into the light. You don't, you don't want to be trapped in your darkness, do you? Is what he's saying. I don't want you to be trapped in your darkness. And the only thing stopping you coming into the light is you. And then he says something that you won't often hear preached. I love it when God does this for me. I don't know how many times I've read John. Just 20, 30 times. God put this verse in there last week. Because it wasn't in there the other 19 times that I read John. Jesus says this. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. You won't hear that one preached very often, will you? I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. I will not judge you based on your behavior, whether it be good or bad. And what's Jesus teaching here? Your shortcomings, your failings, a.k.a. your stupid behavior. The false stuff that we get into to, to make up, you know, what's missing. Don't let that be a stumbling block for you coming to me, is what Jesus is saying. I'm not judging you on that. Don't let it get in the way. He's removing all of the obstacles. He says, I love you more than that. I'm not going to let it get in your way. Don't you let it get in your way. And then he continues. He says, for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. I love this because it, it breaks all of the ru rules of religion. I checked through half a dozen different versions of the Bible. I thought, is this a bad translation? You know, he, he's not judging us based on our good behavior, our bad behavior. In fact, he actually says, I'm not going to judge you if you don't do what I say. All of the versions said the same thing. Jesus is removing the obstacles. Come to me. I don't care what you did or didn't do. Come to me. Come into my light. Let me clean you up and I will be your light. But then comes a most dire warning. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. What is Jesus' message? It's important we know that. He said very simply, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. We don't get into heaven by being good. We don't get to hell by being bad. He's not counting that stuff. Jesus makes it so much easier than that. He clarifies it and he calls us to a decision. But sometimes the easier the decision is, the more clear the decision is, the more difficult it is. Because it's defining. Jesus simply says, choose me or reject me. If you don't choose me, you rejected me. Such a simple, it's so simple, isn't it? It's not about how good you are, how bad you are. It's not about what religion. I remember having an argument, a discussion with somebody once about religion. How do you get into heaven? It was a Jehovah's Witness, and, and their answer was, well, you've got to be the right religion. The deciding factor is to choose or reject Jesus. Now, what's the judgment that he speaks of? There is a darkness and there is a light. The darkness is eternal separation from all that is good. 
Light is eternal communion with all that is good. The choice is clear. Choose Jesus or reject Jesus. Very, very simple. He says, let light into your life. Don't stay in the darkness. Don't let your failings, your guilt mess you up. Don't let that stuff stand in the way. He's not letting it stand in the way. Don't let what other people might think get in the way. He put that out there. Don't worry about what they think. In a moment, I'm going to give an opportunity for you to come down here and tell Jesus, I don't want to be in the dark anymore. I want to be in your light. I choose light. I want to come out of my darkness and into your light. Now, there's one more come, and that is become. Two ways of looking at this. What is to become of me? There's a darkness in here, and we all have it, right? We all have it. There's a darkness in here, but there's a darkness out there. This one is temporary. That one is eternal. To reject Christ is to choose that darkness and to become part of that darkness. Separated from Christ, the light forever. Conversely, there's a light in here. We all have it, right? Even the hardest atheist has, there's a light in them. It's a temporary light and there's an eternal light. And Jesus says, I want to connect my eternal light to that light that I put inside of you. Inside of us is that desire to connect to that light unless we just keep pushing it down. And Jesus is saying, don't fight the light within you. Come into the light. Come into my light. Accept the eternal light while you still can and become a child of light. It's simple. Jesus, I want the darkness out of my life and I want your light in my life. Now I want to talk to most of you here now this morning. Some of you have the light in you. Exactly what Chris was talking about. Made a decision to receive Jesus years ago. But you've been living in darkness. And that light's not really shining in your life because of choices that you've made. Maybe it's time for you to come out of that dark and say, Jesus, I want to come back to you. I want to come back to your light. I don't want to live in darkness any longer. I want to come into your light. Isaiah 118. Did I put it in here? It says, come. Now let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Oh, if I come out there, is they all going to scream and yell at me? Try it. Oh, good. I want to give you an opportunity right now. I don't normally do altar calls. It's a very Baptist thing. I always tell people we're not very good Baptists. But I want to give you an opportunity right now.
If the Holy Spirit has been speaking with you and touching you, I want to give you an opportunity right now to come on up from your seat and come on down and we can pray together and ask Jesus to bring that light into your life. Now, there's probably most of you people who are Christian. But if there's one person out there right now, I'm going to ask you to have the courage to say, I need to come into the light. And if that's you, I invite you to come right now. twisted a little bit if you've had the light in your life and you know that you've been kind of hiding in the darkness and this is your day and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today Jesus gave a warning he said I will not let my light shine I will take my light away from you and if you're in that situation where you know I need to get back with Jesus I'm going to invite you to come on up out of your seat and come on down and we can pray a prayer and ask Jesus to reignite the light in your life. If that's you, I'll give you an opportunity to do that right now. We don't have music and all of that stuff. If that's you, right now, I'll give you an opportunity to come on down. Now, I know because I've sat out there. There are some people who are sitting out there right now who think, I should have got up. Don't let that get in your way. We're going to pray in a minute, and if you need to get real with God, you can get real with God right where you are. He's not going to say, oh, you should have got up, because Jesus already told us, I'm not holding against you when you don't do what I ask you to do. I'm not holding that against you. I love you too much. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your light. We thank you for this beautiful day. And Father, I know that there are some people out there that maybe would, would like to come forward, but they're shy or something is holding them back. Maybe some people who are online, Father. I pray right now that you would just begin that process of letting your light shine in their lives. Father, may they surrender their darkness to you that they may have your light from this day forward. Father, thank you for making us children of light. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right.